0: And uh, wow, what an opening there! That was music from Enigma, uh, from their brand new CD called Moon. I'm Scott Colborn, and you're listening to Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. How you all doing? Whether you're at the workplace or just kicking around home, where's my coffee? Right there. And coffee cup in hand, it's always within reach. Two uh, couple of donuts somewhere between my mouth and my stomach right now. Coffee they, and donuts, they breakfast and champions. <laughs> and uh, I've got my, my friends, Jim and Colleen here, and you guys and gals. Uh, we're going to have a great <clears throat> morning. What's going to happen? Well, we've got kind of an abbreviated opening segment. Uh, Charlene from the Capital Humane Society is on assignment and can't be with us this week. She rejoins us next week. And voila, this is the fifth Saturday of the month. It happens about every three months. And so we don't have a second segment guest. But never fear. We have program material for you. Always. <laughs> and there's no need to shield the young one's ears. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be fine for everybody. This is a G-rated program. <laughs> yep. Um, our main guest comes up about uh, 40 minutes into the broadcast, or about uh, 25 minutes from now, is first-time guest, William Stillman. And he's written a number of books, including The Soul of Autism and the brand new one, The Secret Language of Spirit, Understanding Spirit Communication in Our Everyday Life. Uh, and a interesting book. William Stillman coming up as our main guest today. I see this, this
1: copy <laughs> of the book here on the on the The table has wrinkles on the cover. Did you stay
0: up all night reading again? No, actually, uh, that's a nice segue, Jim. Uh, This week I've been teaching a class, so um, I kind of felt you out off mic about what time you normally get up, Mm -hmm. and you said, oh, dark hundred. Yeah. I'm I'm not quite up that early, but I got up a lot earlier than this night owl normally gets up to teach the class Mm -hmm. this week. So I have to uh, be at church tomorrow to help serve as a greeter at an early service, so I'm going to get yeah. up again early tomorrow morning. So I did this morning, and I've been up for a while drinking coffee and reading. And, well, and, you know, uh, and,
1: and I, I can relate to that because before my current gig, I worked at a computer shop, and the shop opened at 10 a.m., and I often got there before the boss did, so I had keys to open the place. So, going to work at my present job where I have to be there at O'Dark oh, 30 was quite a bit of culture shock at the time.
0: Well, we're grateful, Jim, that you can do that because you keep those Electrovoice parts just a rolling. You bet. <laughs> <laughs> Among other things. Yep, Electrovoice. Um, so, that's a sound reinforcement system and uh, used in public address systems, both small as well as gigantic. What do you suppose the biggest public address system is that? That you guys may have worked on. Oh God,
1: I can't, I can't say. But we've done some huge, huge arenas uh, so. over in Europe and some places in the USA and whatnot. And here in the studio, we have a flock of Electro Voice microphones.
0: As we should. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Is that what you say when you have a multitude of microphones? That's,
1: it's a That's flock? what I say. I, I don't know. <laughs>
0: what, I don't know what others say. So we've got Jack Reacher coffee in our cups. Folks, what do you have out there in your morning beverage cup? Are you folks coffee drinkers or tea drinkers? Um, maybe uh, some of you young folks have already got a, a soda of some sort, huh?
2: <laughs> I, know, like, I made my mom coffee this morning, and I got a little short story here. Was like, I think it was yesterday or the day before I, ma- I made my mom coffee, but what came out instead was water.
1: Oh, what happened? Had to put the grounds. No, in the it. grounds
2: and everything were in there. The filter, and everything was in there, but the uh, it, it, but water came out instead of coffee. Hmm. So my mom was like, "You must be a real heoka, you know. You're a backwards person, you know. You uh-huh. make things." Yeah, how so did she, that happen? So so she goes. So you, tur- it's, instead of instead of turning water into wine, you turn coffee into water. <laughs>
1: Wow. That
2: is is interesting. (laughs) I don't know how that happened because I remember I followed all the steps my mom showed me, Mm. and I put everything in there. Everything was fine. Turned the water on, walked away, and my mom uh, walked in the kitchen after I said it should be about done. She went in there, and she was like, it's not even coffee.
0: (laughs) Wow. Well, now,
2: I've
1: gone and put the grounds in and turned the coffee pot on and walked away and forgot to put the water in. So you have no coffee then.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so I, re- I really don't know what was up with that.
1: but that Yeah, was, that's a little weird.
2: That was an episode that was like, okay, that's going into a future book potentially. <laughs> only
0: only you could do that, Colleen. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, this is Jack Reacher coffee, and so I keep the beans frozen. And right before it's brewed, I then grind them. So it's got, hopefully, the best, freshest taste that we can get. And uh, I tell you what, a busy week. I'm enjoying this coffee a lot this morning. Good stuff. And uh, those are donuts out there. Notice I don't have any donuts in here. You don't. I'm observing the uh, protocols of no food here in the air studio. But uh, I did stand out in the hallway and scarf down a couple here. So I'm fortified. Uh, let's talk about some dogs and cats for adoption. We We're going to kind that. of do our own thing here, and uh, we'll have our own uh, pet talk here. What do you want to start with today, Scott? Well, we've got uh, the chiefs tickets for a cause. Oh, you can yeah. donate and get uh, some capital, or excuse me, some Kansas City chiefs tickets. That information is up on the website the low-cost neuter spay program information there, the Corvette raf- raffle ends, um, geez, look at this. This is the last day. Wow. June 30th. So if you want to, uh, buy a fairly hefty raffle ticket, you could win a, uh, a Corvette, which is pretty cool. It's on the website, capital society.org. And, uh, working cat program. These are cats that maybe aren't suitable for indoors, but to uh, folks that have uh, acreage a farm uh, in a rural area and want to help keep the mouse population down, they have a working cat program and some cats that are just perfect. Mm-hmm. So they can help you with um, pets. They can help you with working cats. Um, and I also
1: see a seniors for seniors adoption program here. Mm-hmm. Uh, seniors up to 62 years old can receive 50% off if they adopt a senior animal five years or older. So that sounds like a neat program. You say
0: up to 62? What happens oh, after oh, the... Oh, over 62. Oh, oh, good. I was going to say, man, they just, you know, sorry you're too old. You can't have them. That's
1: what I get for trying to
0: read and talk at the same time. No, you do a good job. Okay, look look, I've got the, uh, quite a few dogs up. I don't know. Oh my goodness! Uh, no picture up yet, but there's going to be a dog called Pepper. Wow, cool! CapitalHumaneSociety.org, and we're looking at pictures of dogs for adoption. And let's see. Um, I think we may sh- go with Max here. Max, the good dog. And there is Max. M a x x. He's a 13-year-old neutered male, pit bull Labrador, 65 pounds. He was a lost dog. He's got a laid-back personality. He would absolutely love to go on daily walks.
1: You can see the lab and the coloring.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And yep. uh, a little bit of pit in the face, but he almost looks like a miniature
0: lab. Beautiful dog. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, Jim, you want to make a call? Who's up next here? Oh, let's go with Hendrix. Hendricks. There he is right there. Ready to rock and roll. Look at that. Okay. He's a one-year-old neutered male Labrador. He's already at 50 pounds. He's spunky and loves to have fun. Capital F, fun. Lots of puppy exercise and Um, energy.
1: A little bit of white on his paws paws, and a very interesting white pattern on his chest.
0: Hey, Hendricks, show us your tongue. (laughs) Okay, he's a great running partner or those daily walks. And uh, he needs to go to a child-free home. Big kids are okay, but small kids are probably not. Uh, Daily exercise, he must meet other dogs. And, of course, a fence backyard. So that is Hendrix. He's our second dog up. And Colleen, can you see the monitor from where you're at? Do you want to make Um, a call? Let
2: me see that dog in the bottom
0: corner, the black and white one. Right there? That one? Yes. Yeah. Tinny.
2: Tinny. Oh, just
0: cute. Not Timmy, but Tinny.
2: Tinny. <laughs>
0: T-I-N-N-I. Yes. Seven-year-old spade female, pit bull, 56 pounds, very shy. She needs to find out that she can relax with you and trust you. And then that charming side of Tinny will come forward. Mm-hmm. So she needs a, a home without uh, small children, exercise, fenced yard, and um, she'd like to be the only dog in the family.
1: interesting color in the coat there. I think I would call that a, a brindle type of uh, dark with, with a little bit of highlights.
2: Yeah, yeah those, like a little stripe it's yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, they are. those brown yeah.
0: highlights on the dark. Yeah, a cool. yeah, big brindle. Okay, we've got Max, Hendricks, and Tinny, three great dogs for adoption today. We're looking at the same website you could look at, CapitalHumaneSociety.org, and they're open today and tomorrow. Cats and kittens for adoption. Oh, we do have kittens today. So if you you want a small cat, (laughs) a.k.a. kittens, they have kittens for adoption. And they've got Aaron, Arrow, Amaryllis, Angel, Bailey, Cassie, Charlotte, Chloe, Chubbs. <laughs> hey, Chubbs. Darren and Daryl, I like that. Yeah. Those are fun. Faye, Harley, Michael, and Sheba Elise, Indigo. And those are just some of the cats. That's just the first page. Just the first page. Wow. So Cats for Adoption and Kittens, look at the website, capitalhumanesociety.org, and they are open today and tomorrow. And today is the last chance for the Corvette raffle. And, uh, boy, it looks cool. It does. Red Corvette, white top. Boy, that would look great in my, my driveway. <laughs> Wouldn't it, though? Wow. Better you than me. So <laughs> you, can, you can still purchase tickets at Duto Chevrolet, and you can get uh, a ticket at the Capital Humane Society, but today is the last day, June 30th. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's our pit update from the Capital Humane Society, making the first place you go when you want to adopt a dog or a cat. I'm Scott Colborne and uh, this next segment is called Improvise. <laughs> so I posted last night, I was reflecting about this quote. I posted last night a quote from a man that I knew, um, Kenneth Bordeaux. Uh, he was very, very active in Indian Affairs in Lincoln, He was already older when I met him, uh, a bearer of the sacred pipe. He was a Lakota medicine man and very traditional guy, uh, definitely old school. Uh, His uh, Indian name was Three Eagles. And uh, I had a bookstore back at that time. This is many, many years ago. And uh, so he came in to see kind of what I was up to. And I suppose that he was uh, rightly concerned that I was selling uh, merchandise uh, at the expense of Native American culture, wisdom, um, sacred spirituality. So he had a chance to meet me, and over about six months, uh, we got more comfortable with each other. And then I found out that he was a guitar player. And so... I used to leave a guitar uh, leaning next to a chair, and he would come in, and very quietly, he would just walk over and sit down and pick the guitar up and and strum the guitar for a while. So, uh, interesting guy. Uh, He was definitely old school, very reticent uh, with people that he didn't know, and uh, he was really guarding uh, the old ways, and did not want to uh, uh, dissolve those or to water those down. So I respected him, and, and uh, we had uh, a limited relationship. But during that time period, uh, I, I benefited a lot by him. I've had two extraordinary experiences while in his presence. But what I'd like to talk about is a quote that he was uh, fond of saying. And over the years, I've reflected about this quite a bit. What is so super about natural? Now we hear that word supernatural, and already we're Mm -hmm. conjuring stuff up. We've already got pictures in our mind, we're thinking about movies or books or things we've heard. And he argued, and I think correctly, that the Western white Europeans took part of what is and they love to separate it and put it in small little tidy boxes. And so the supernatural was regarded and is regarded Mm -hmm. by European cultures as being separate from consensus reality. Mm -hmm. It's not a part of it. Um, And I don't know that I've ever heard in a school setting, anybody bring that up, um, the, the word or term supernatural. And the limited times that I've heard that mentioned has not been positive, it has been derogatory. Uh, in, in other words, it's sort of a no-person's place, you don't wanna go there, and that, that has got a lot of baggage. So I'd like to hear from, from you both. Um, does that strike a chord within you Uh, when you hear that that phrase or or that open-ended question, what is so super about natural?
1: Yeah, I I think uh, for one thing, uh, it's a superset of the natural, meaning that there's nothing unnatural about supernatural. Hmm. It all comes from the same place. It might just be something that we don't understand, uh, something that's greater than us, Modern science doesn't know everything, and it never will. And there, there's untold examples of things that are commonplace now that were once not understood, considered supernatural. Lightning, lightning used to be perceived as punishment from the gods or Mm. whatever, you know. But now we know it's simply electricity. And we've harnessed electricity, we use it to run our light bulbs and our computers and everything around us. So there's a perfect example of something that was once considered by many to be supernatural, but is now every, an everyday part of our life and, and understood.
0: Good point. I think we took a lot of this technology right here in the air studio. Sure, and went back hundred years and showed that to people. They would think that we're magicians that were sending your voice over long distances. Oh my goodness! Yeah, put these put these things on your ears, and and what am I hearing now?
1: Yeah, look at these these images and photos on a flat piece of of glass and metal. How you know that's that's got to be magic. And uh, I I think it's Highline that wrote, any technology that is sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from magic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I like to flip that on on, uh, on its ear and say, uh, any magic that is sufficiently evolved is indistinguishable from technology.
0: And what we're doing here, Jim and Colleen, too, is this discussion that we're having is really sort of laying the groundwork for our guest today. Uh, we've got William Stillman first time guest mm-hmm. the secret language of spirit and the subtitles understanding spirit communication in our everyday lives so once we start to accept the supernatural as being another part of natural mm-hmm. there is another whole realm of existence and, and reality that opens up to us sure. and uh, we see things afresh and anew, and perhaps that reignites our joy and passion for living. <laughs> what do you think, Colleen?
2: Well, I think it's like, um, what was that word? I was trying to, I was, like all these thoughts were going through my head, now they're gone. <laughs> no? It's kind of like, um, uh, one thing that I was always taught was that uh, to live without filters, basically, because um, you know, like from a moment, some you know some people are born they're automatically thrust into, you know, like religion, for instance, in a and sometimes certain religious practices say that you know, a lot of this stuff is witchcraft and it's demonic and it's evil and you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't mess with it. But, and I agree, like, to a point that, you know, unless you know what you're doing with spiritual matters, you shouldn't mess with it. But, but for me, it was like, well, here's our belief and our belief is that everything is connected and that, you know, we're all related and, you know, the idea of, like, you know, we're, we're a part of the force. That's mm-hmm. as the only thing I could think of is, you know you know you know how they always say that, you know, the force binds all the all living things, everything matter sure. and everything together. It's you know, that's that's a concept that we, we've we've always had my um, ancestors and everything. So that's what I've always lived with is you know, like the like the, these inexplicable things happen and you c- you can Turn away from it. You can run away all you want. You could, you know, hide and bury your head underneath the sand. But usually, what happens is that like it keeps knocking at your door. It's going to keep returning. It's
0: That's not. just part of what is real. Yeah, because yeah.
2: like you know, like some people, uh, you know, they'll say that like, oh, uh, if you ignore this stuff, it'll go away. Well, it'll go away for a little while, but it'll come back eventually, some way, somehow. Like, you know, some some people they de- they denied or you know their psychic gifts. And next thing you know, they have kids, and their kids are more accepting of their own abilities, and they're like, "Wow, I should have opened myself up to this because I could have been able to help my child go through this." You know, that's kind of like the experience I've been hearing about lately. Is you know, uh, especially in a in a native community because. You know, in the Native community, everybody thinks like, oh, there's, there's spiritual people, blah, 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 blah. Well, no, it's, it's kind of like there's... Within the Native community, it's very split down the middle between, you know, what we call traditionalist people like, like Three Eagles and everything, people who have the knowledge, people who practice. But then you have the other people who have moved on, I guess you could say. You know, they've, they've accepted... Other religious practices they've um
1: assimilated
2: yeah they've they've assimilated right. and they've assimilated so successfully they're not even interested in in the languages or in the ceremonies or or you know in the you know in the in the songs and the art in the dance and uh, they're more concerned about you know who's going to be the next you know great rapper or whatever mm-hmm. and it's kind of and it's kind of <sighs> like I can see that there's going to be people who are going to be like that all the time. They're not going to look at it. They're not going to be accepting. But then there's going to be other people who want this, you know, who desperately want these kind of things to happen to them. And then even that, you know, some people, it happens to them. Some people are like, yes, it happened. They're happy. But then with other people, they get scared and they turn away from it again.
0: So it's we have a culture that is very mechanistic. You know, if you can't uh, readily see it, touch it, feel it, smell it, uh, some way to prove the existence, then it's, it's not real. And part of that may be um, the, uh, the uh, advancements of science. And uh, we may be coming into an era where science and spirit begin to merge again. Yeah. And that has a, a holistic worldview that we can, we can practice great science, but we can also recognize that there are things uh, in existence that uh, are more reluctant to be drawn into a laboratory or replicated mm-hmm. and repeated experiments. And, uh, you know, Jim and Colleen, I have friends that are adamant that it's all mechanistic, and yet occasionally they will talk about something weird that's happened, and they don't have any any way to... Mm-hmm to explain that, and I'll just sort of think to myself, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, there's been, as Colleen said, there's been somebody knocking on their door again.
1: (laughs) And it's possible that it is all mechanistic, but on a level that we
0: don't understand. We've got about uh, 60 seconds here, so we need to wind it up and get our guest on the phone here. (laughs) So this is a great groundwork here. Um, Instead of trying to, to separate things, maybe to embrace things mm-hmm. all that is don't Indeed. Fear, don't fear the unknown yeah in, in other words uh, yeah what is so super about natural natural is all that is I, I think you mentioned it
1: earlier but I think it's kind of a, a white European uh, thing to classify things that we don't understand as being evil and you see that a lot throughout history, and uh, it's, just, it's short-sighted to do that because I think you really miss out on a, a lot. And uh, it's, it's all a matter of what you do with it. Uh, it's, you know, it's not inherently evil or, or inherently good. It just is. And uh, it's, it's like everything is a tool. You can use it for good or you can use it for evil. But you, you shouldn't ignore it just, just because you don't know what it is and you shouldn't be afraid of the unknown because you might be missing something
0: wonderful. It's great to uh, to recognize that there are other levels to existence. Our consensus reality gets stretched and altered. And I think ultimately we are the better for it. This is music from the previous release by Enigma from Cobalt. And this is Sky Dancer. We'll be back with our main guest, William Stillman. We've kind of set the stage for talking about What's so super about natural? I'm Scott Colborne with Jim and Colleen. We are exploring unexplained phenomena. And Vic comes up at 12 noon with Mesoterra. Always a fun program. I'm Scott Colborne, and you're listening to Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. We've been at this uh, every Saturday morning for better than 33 years now. And uh, let's see, this October... Am I correct? Yeah, it'll be 34 years this October. But we got to get through July, August, September 1st. It's already hotter than blazes here, so uh, I hope we can all stay cool. I've seen a couple of people on Facebook say that right at the top of this heat wave, their air conditioning gave out. So God bless those folks. Our guest today is William Stillman, and he's a first-time guest He's written many books, including The Soul of Autism. Since 2004, William Stillman has worked professionally as a psychic medium. He has consulted on missing people cases and has volunteered as an investigative resource for the Pennsylvania Paranormal Association. He's been on lots of radio shows and uh, TV shows and a repeat speaker at Lilydale, near Jamestown, New York, the country's oldest and most revered spiritualist community. His website is easy to find, williamstillman.com. And uh, I found, of course, this week that if you type in William Stillman, you'll see the Facebook page pop up, William Stillman Psychic Medium. And Mr. Stillman makes his home in Pennsylvania. He's on the show to talk about this brand new book and things that uh, we brought up in the intro here. Indeed, what is so super about natural? And it may just be what is. His brand new book is called The Secret Language of Spirit, Understanding Spirit Communication in our everyday lives. Please join us and welcome William Stillman to the broadcast. William, good morning, sir.
3: Good morning to you, Scott. Thank you so much for having me on your program.
0: Where do we find you this wonderful morning?
3: (laughs) I am at home in the Hershey, Pennsylvania area, where the air smells like chocolate. (laughs) uh, Wonderful. (laughs) I have an event this evening at the Fulton Theater in Lancaster. Pennsylvania. So I'm very excited Mm. about that. And, um, I need to make time to get to an antique mall before the show, because, uh, I have found over the past year and a half that somebody somewhere 48 to 24 hours in advance of an event knows exactly who's going to be in that audience. And when I walk an antique mall, they end up distracting my attention to things that have relevance at the event. And it's absolutely fascinating, and it works every time.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Uh, William, we set the stage and had a, a brief conversation on Mike about the nature of consensus reality and how we've all grown accustomed and been told and indoctrinated that there's a certain way to look at what is real. And yet we each of us have personal experiences that tend to show us that there is a larger reality at work perhaps deeper underneath or encircling everything that we previously thought was consensus reality and a late friend of mine was a Lakota medicine man who said and I just I love the quote William what's so super about natural How does that strike you?
3: Well, I certainly hope that is all in fact true and authentic because I think we need to believe in that now more than ever, um, given the current climate of our our country. Uh, But I have long been uh, a proponent of the thought that uh, what we experience is natural, not supernatural, and normal, not paranormal. And a lot of people are surprised to learn that I only became a psychic medium professionally when I was 40, so very much a late bloomer, but uh, had a a very unusual and at times um, extremely uncomfortable and disconcerting childhood and adolescence. So I sort of came to it through a very circuitous route, but I was dealing with a lot of um, negative and harmful energy very early on in life, Mm -hmm. which has actually helped me in my work to discern issues and obstacles for clients, and it's also helped me in my work with the Pennsylvania Paranormal Association in helping people to understand what may be going on in their own homes.
0: Mm -hmm. William, can you think back to when you were a, a little boy or young person? Uh, did you have anything despite the the troubling times, did you have anything that occurred that maybe gave you a glimpse of of who you might become later as an adult?
3: I recall being about five or six years old and sitting in a church pew during service and sobbing uncontrollably and being unable to contain my emotion, even though I knew I should be quiet. And I heard my parents whispering back and forth, and right in the middle of service, they picked me up and walked out, which kind of shocked me because I wasn't expecting that we would actually leave. And I never told anyone what that was about, but there was absolutely a reason for it. I had been staring at a glorious, gorgeous, and terrible stained-glass window of the crucifixion, and I was grieving Mm -hmm. for the pain that Christ must have been experiencing Mm -hmm. as a five- or six-year-old child. I think I was about six. And so I knew early on that I was an empath. I didn't know the word, of course, but I knew that I was especially sensitive, more so than perhaps the average little boy. So that's a memory that stands out to me in particular. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, I'm also of sorts an empath, William, and I at times had a a troubled childhood. Uh, I had a father who, when he wasn't drinking, was one of the best guys around. But he came back uh, really scarred from World War II and... For the rest of his adult life, which ended early, he uh, tried to self-medicate to control basically what he experienced, the absolute unforgettable horrors of, of his experiences in World War II. And when he was, I have to t- when he was drunk, uh, it was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He was a totally different guy.
3: I, I must tell you, Scott, I see that often. Mm-hmm. In my work as a psychic medium, in mm-hmm. fact, uh, if you go to my YouTube channel, I believe there are a couple of videos where people's fathers come through who had experienced uh, combat and, uh, as as you say, devastating horrors during the Second World War, and just war in general, and are not making excuses for their misconduct, but are offering an explanation mm-hmm. that the... Uh, the children, their offspring, didn't really have otherwise. They just knew that father was an abusive alcoholic or uh, sequestered himself in his workshop or uh, did a lot of traveling away from home and so on. Um, And so I have found that to be very common, and uh, it's actually come up many times in my events also where there's a, a sense of asking to be forgiven, and it's really a very healing Process For many people But um, I am I guess I shouldn't be surprised But it, it comes up frequently I must tell you
0: mm-hmm. uh, You have done a lot of work With uh, people who um, Had been diagnosed uh, As being autistic uh, Tell us a little bit about that uh, How did that start for you?
3: Uh, I've been in that field for 31 years now, mm-hmm. and I had been in a teaching position that got got cut back, uh, and I had to supplement my income, and so I entered into the field of serving people with developmental differences, and um, it was the closest thing I could find to teaching at that time, mm-hmm. and worked my way up over the years to a position in state government, overseeing the the statewide implementation of services for children and adolescents with autism and mental health issues and developmental differences. And in my, my work, I, I became, began to become not only accepted and welcomed into people's homes, but people would gradually reveal information to me about their loved ones on the autism spectrum And some of that information was very unusual or uncommon in keeping with the experiences that I had as a child being an empath and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of the senses magnified times 10 and Mm -hmm. emotions magnified times 10, sort of like Spidey sense. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) what I was finding is that many people on the autism spectrum possess these attributes naturally. And are multi-sensory. So again, it's a magnification of all the senses um, beyond what would be typical. And so they were having very um, uncommon or unusual experiences. And um, I found that people were telling me the same things no matter where I went. And they were unknown to one another. And I thought there's something to this. And so I ended up writing a trilogy of books starting with autism and the God connection that explored this aptitude in, in a lot of folks on the autism spectrum, you know, about half of them are not wired for speech. Mm -hmm. They're, they're mute. And it's very much uh, a state of perpetual meditation in the same way as the, the, monk, the yogi, the guru, the nun, the priest, the rabbi, and uh, those are people who made a deliberate and conscious decision to enter into that uh, way of being, but and the silence. person with autism is born, born into it naturally, and so um, it's very fascinating the fruit of what can come of that kind of existence.
0: And in working with these individuals and their families, you became adept... At uh, uh, discovering and understanding the language, oftentimes nonverbal, that the individual was, was using. I would guess. Well, what's fascinating having,
3: about that, Scott,
0: please, is please that um,
3: the ways in which people with autism communicate is, is very much symbolic and has more than one meeting. And it's, it's very much similar to the ways in which I have experienced uh, receiving spiritual communications during my, my psychic consultations and events. So um, it's fascinating to me, and it's uh, in part what led to the new book, uh, The Secret Language of Spirit.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the, uh, the psychiatrist who has written some books on on how we judge people. Um, One of his books was, uh, we've had a hundred years of psychotherapy and the world is getting worse. Uh, But he talks about uh, gifts and how they are revealed to people. Uh, And he talked about uh, Albert Einstein, who was born with an overly large head, that he had early developmental difficulty. He didn't speak until he was five or six years old. And from that point until his early teen years, whenever he was awake, he had this constant muttering, this kind of litany that he would say under his breath. Um, And if he were an individual in today's society, he might be judged as being developmentally different categorized, uh, labeled, and yet somebody, someplace, had the the touch of, of spirit to recognize here was a special individual and the world was given Albert Einstein.
3: And the same exact thing happened to uh, Thomas Edison. He yeah. Was sent home from school and told not to come back. He was sent home with a note and his mother read the note and decided to tell him that th- what the teacher had said was that your child is too brilliant for this classroom. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. oh,
3: and that's her good. decision her decision to to frame his being sent home that way altered the course of his life. Mm-hmm.
2: It's kind of it's kind of like how like um like Nikola Tesla was like kicked out of college because you know, he was getting too be for his professors.
0: This is uh, <laughs> Willingness this is Colleen, our our co-host and producer here. Good morning. Yes,
3: we we chatted earlier.
0: So, understanding the language <clears throat> that is symbolic in nature has probably helped you. Then, as you became a professional psychic or medium, which which do you prefer? Do you prefer the are they interchangeable to you, psychic or medium? Are they the same, or are they different?
3: No, I believe that they are different. Um, I believe that a, a psychic is someone who can give you intuitive insight and guidance, but that person may not be a medium. And a medium, as you know, is someone who is able to um, channel the, the energy or the soul essence of loved ones who have passed on from the physical and are in the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. And it took, me, it took me some time to sort of um, embrace the word medium, but I do use it now because it happens so frequently. Mm-hmm. But I also have to tell you, speaking of symbolic communication, that um, the chief inspiration for writing The Secret Language of Spirit was I went to the movies, and I saw a picture called Arrival from a couple of years ago, and you might be familiar with it. And, and it's love, about a college I'm, professor who is a linguist.
2: I love that movie. And
3: who, it, yeah, it was, I thought it was brilliantly done and very realistically portrayed. And um, it's about a college professor who is a linguist who is tasked with deciphering and decoding um, extraterrestrial communication. And I was watching this film and I thought, wow, that is very much like what I do in my work as a psychic medium. I am tasked with interpreting spiritual hieroglyphics and putting that into language in a way that the average person would understand who is not yet as fluent as I am. And so I, I wanted to compose a, a basic but essential primer for the layperson to sort of demystify what all of that was about, mm-hmm. and to help them to feel comfortable and confident in decoding some of those signs and symbols and signals that may be transpiring around them as well.
0: Mm-hmm. On the, uh, the morning of the memorial service for my late mother, Gentry Colborne, God bless her, uh, we had finished the service and then we were going to drive down to Superior, Nebraska to, uh, to bury her. And uh, I stopped by her home after the memorial service in Lincoln. And as I walked in the backyard, uh, I looked over and in the redbud tree was this that that a cardinal can be a symbol for um, a departed loved one. And for me, it was very meaningful. So it was another uh, sign, if you will, that... um, although mother physically was gone, that she was, um, her presence was still around. That's a beautiful
3: story. Do we have time for me to tell a story?
0: Please do, sir. Please do.
3: Well, I mentioned uh, a few moments ago that I need to get to an antique mall because I have an event this evening. And um, back in January, I was doing another event and The day before, I was surfing the Internet and checking email and so on, and a picture of Lindsay Wagner as the bionic woman Mm -hmm. from about 40-some years ago
1: popped Mm up. I remember that show.
3: And uh, people who are old-timers like us will remember her. And I thought, wow, that's unusual. I haven't seen or thought of her in, in a long time. And then I made my way to the antique mall, was walking through, and one of the first booths I came to, the dealer had... Mint in the original box, the Lindsey Wagner as Bionic Woman doll. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, wow, that's 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 unusual. I just saw her a little while ago. <laughs> I thought, what is going on? But you know, when when the second time comes around, it's enough to get your attention, and the third time is absolute confirmation. So I thought, well, if I get something else prior to tomorrow's event, I'll know that I'm supposed to go with it. Well, sure enough. The morning of the event, again, I was on the Internet, the same image of Lindsay Wagner's bionic woman popped up, a um, different website. Mm-hmm. And I thought, mm-hmm. what is, like, did she pass away? What is going on? And she hasn't. But I thought, is somebody trying to get me to say the name Lindsay or the, the family name Wagner or something about the bionic woman? Mm-hmm. And I kept getting the impression of a little pink ribbon associated with that, which is a symbol that everyone should be able to decode as pertaining to breast cancer. So the third time it happened was my confirmation, and that's where I started the event. I said, who here has a connection to the bionic woman? I said, I don't know if they're trying to get me to say Lindsay Wagner or, or uh, what the association is, but they keep showing me a little pink ribbon, and there was dead silence, and nobody claimed it. And my, my spirit guides who w- work with me are telling me, no, they're showing me the back of a shampoo bottle where it says rinse and repeat. <laughs> oh, I knew not to let it go, and I knew to repeat it. So I said it again, and I stuck to my guns, and I said, I don't know if they're trying to get me to say the name Lindsay or the name Wagner or some connection to the bionic woman, but they show me a little pink ribbon connected to it. Again, dead silence. And I said, folks, absolutely, 100%. There is someone in this room who knows exactly what I'm talking about. Finally, this gal raises her hand, and she said, Mr. Stillman, Is it possible that they're trying to get you to say the name of the character that Lindsay Wagner Mm. played on the bionic woman? And I thought about it, and I thought, you know, the three times that I saw her, it was Lindsay Wagner in character as the bionic woman. And I said, Mm -hmm. sure. I said, I think that's entirely possible. Now, I don't know if you remember the name of the character she played.
1: Jamie Summers.
3: Jamie Summers. She said... My sister's name was Jamie. She passed with breast cancer. And when we were kids, The Bionic Woman was her favorite show. Wow. Mm -hmm. I had the one person in the room that Spirit had singled out for whom that information made sense. And once we connected, I had Jamie standing right next to me. And she was saying, tell my ex-husband I forgive him for having an affair. Mm -hmm. I'm concerned about my youngest daughter. I think she might have an eating disorder issue. I mean, the floodgates opened up, Mm -hmm. and it was extraordinary. But you could see how someone who may not have been attuned to all of that would have maybe chucked it up to coincidence or maybe disregarded it altogether.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, really enjoying it's the a, conversation, it's a fascinating William. process. Yes. Pardon? Uh, I'm saying uh, <laughs> that we're really enjoying the conversation. I'm going to take the top-of-the-hour break, and we'll come back. And uh, I want to ask you, too, how it is to stand in front of a group like that and to be totally trusting on spirit and intuition. I I would would, be happy to discuss that. That would classify in many people's minds as being bravery. You know? Mm. Sort of like the Garrison Keillor getting up there without the (laughs) notes and and winging it and doing an incredible job of doing so. So this is William Stillman, S-T-I-L-L-M-A-N. His website is easy to find, very interactive, williamstillman.com. And it's a gorgeous front cover here I'm holding, The Secret Language of Spirit, Understanding Spirit Communication in Our Everyday Lives. I'm Scott Colborne. We are exploring Unexplained Phenomena, 33 years strong. It's really great to have you out there. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Music from Enigma. And that's their previous recording called Cobalt. I'm Scott Colborn. And uh, you're listening to Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. And William, uh, you know, I just made kind of a connection, a synchronicity, if you will, with what I want to ask you about. Uh, being up in front of a group. These are people that, oft times, you've never met before, and... You rely totally on your connection to, if you'll permit me to say this, the divine, to give you information to help these people. The connection I'm making is that last night through a circuitous route, I was led to watch a short video clip of the late Johnny Carson and how adept he was at making people feel comfortable um, knowing that millions of folks were getting ready to go to bed and they were the his audience before they went to bed uh, being adept at having so many different guests on and subject matter and uh, being conversational and yet at times being just followed down in the aisle is funny um, and we've, we've got this example in my mind of you getting up before a group of people, and there's going to certainly be entertainment, but there is this absolute sense of being able to trust your intuition, and what an incredible role model that is for the people in the room.
3: Well, Scott, I don't take credit for it. It doesn't come from me. It comes through me. And I am in spiritual boot camp every day oh. because <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have a normal life and I don't have a regular job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so my job is to take care of me. And what that means is a, a rather disciplined and regimented lifestyle with respect to uh, how I conduct myself. I don't uh, drink or smoke. I don't Mm -hmm. cheat or lie. I don't curse or swear. I have been vegetarian for about 25 years. I have a little bit of orange juice with my breakfast, and then I only ever drink just water. I exercise every day, and I also incorporate prayer and meditation at intervals throughout each day. And so one little... One little bit of advice and a helpful hint for our listeners is that, um, you know, when I step out onto a stage, I darn well better know that somebody's got my back because, as you said, I'm walking out into a room full of people Mm -hmm. unknown to me, and I have to have faith in the unknown, and I have to trust that my my spiritual team and my allies are going to be there working with me, and I have to trust that anything that they may have been showing to me and the 48 to 24 hours prior to that event Mm -hmm. is going to be authentic. And um, it is a, a gorgeous, beautiful, amazing, and personally fascinating experience, but it is the prayer that makes the distinction between anything that might be a function of my own imagination during downtime and walking out onto that stage and starting out by saying, This is what I was shown, and I need to know who in the room connects with it. Mm -hmm. It's the prayer that makes the distinction. So prior to the event, I spend about 45 minutes backstage in prayer and meditation and, and just getting pumped up and getting connected and getting turned on. And then when I am done, at the end of the evening, I'll tap the center of my forehead three times, one, two, three, and I am off duty and closed for business. Because none of us, no matter how they make it look on television, none of us should be turned on 24-7. Yep. It is a mm-hmm. process that I enter into deliberately and with great reverence and with great respect, but you, you cannot be turned on all of the time. You'll make yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually ill.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if you were open all the time... There would be uh, information overload. It would be hard to do something just simple like cross the street in traffic. It would be very, very difficult.
3: Well, not only that, but you you leave yourself wide open to very harmful and destructive energies that would uh, seek to uh, derail and undermine you as well.
0: Do you, uh, are you comfortable using the term uh, evil? Is, is there a, a energy or force that is present in our world that, that you would call evil?
3: Um, I think that's probably a word that we would use in human form to describe very um, destructive, um, very nefarious energies. Uh, but I absolutely do believe in them, and that was part of what I experienced as a, um, as a pre-adolescent in my, mm-hmm. my childhood. Mm-hmm. I encountered it full on. Mm-hmm. And God so um, I, I came through that uh, without any support system, just myself. And uh, that is how I'm able to discern it in other people and um, in people connected to other people and what is going on in their household. And I will tell you, At any time I have helped support a family to clear negative energy in their household that wasn't the function of a haunting because ghosts you can reason with because they've been human you can rationalize with them but we're talking about what you call evil or demonic energy every single time there has been abuse of all forms and there has been addiction in that household and so the, that negative, nefarious energy sort of creates a perpetual cycle of like a dog chasing its tail mm-hmm. until things escalate.
0: And that same energy, I would guess, doesn't want people to be connected to the divine or the spirit. It will do anything it can to try to disrupt that.
3: Correct. It's, it's very cowardly in... The, the approach it takes. Mm-hmm. It is inhuman. So again, it is, there's no reasoning or rationalizing with it. And so it will target young children. It will target people who are disabled. It will target people who are struggling with mental illness and struggling with addiction. Um. Uh, in order to continue to erode a situation, what it ultimately wants, and this is very unpleasant, but it's the truth, what it ultimately wants is to escalate everything so that the stage is set for um, murder or suicide to occur. And I've written a whole book about all of that,
0: too. (laughs) Colleen, did you have a comment? Uh,
2: I was going to say it also involves various types of uh, physical ailments and uh, diseases like cancer and, you know, especially uh, different types of intense cancer it can, uh, that type of energy can be involved with that type of thing as well.
3: Well, I, I think that type of energy can be evol- involved not so much in creating the ailment, but being uh, attracted you know, our, to it. Our uh, mindset is absolutely connected to our physical well being. And so that energy may infiltrate the mind subconsciously or in a dream state and be planting the seeds of self-destruction. And I have seen people work themselves into ailments. I have seen people work themselves into cancers for having such a negative and and toxic uh, perspective.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Tell me about uh, our relationship with pets and Mm -hmm. what do we learn about our connection to spirit when we're around a pet?
3: Well, again, we're talking about living beings who exist in silence for the most part and who are automatically connected to the divine for being in uh, perpetual states of solitude or meditation. Uh, And so what I have found fascinating is that communicating with animals, and in my situation, uh, most often dogs, is that communicating with them is virtually identical to the ways in which I receive information from spirits, is that it's all symbolic communication. And animals tend to communicate through a form of telepathy that involves just swapping out imagery. And they also tend to communicate in in waves of energy that we would correlate to um, feelings or emotions. I have had on uh, several occasions dogs who knew they were dying before anyone else knew communicate to me that they were near death. And they showed me consistently a gorgeous sunset and the sun slowly setting in the sky until everything goes dark. Mm -hmm. And that's how they communicated to me that they were nearing the end of their, their physical existence. Um, so it's, it's really, um, a gorgeous process, but I also want to stress that I have a lexicon of maybe three dozen standard symbols. So the thing that's fascinating is that if a dog's going to communicate something similar to you, it's probably not going to look the same to you as it does to me, because they have to work with what would be familiar to me mm-hmm. based on what I would know and recognize and based on my, my life history,
0: mm-hmm.
3: if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> I studied with some people, uh, Patrick and Sharon O'Hara, many, many years ago, and they were uh, proponents of uh, developing trust in your intuition by starting with little stuff and then proving to yourself that quote unquote it works and that it's okay and beyond valuable to trust your intuition that guidance and then to start using that for bigger things in one's life to, and uh, I've told the story William uh, before in the show about uh, wanting to buy a used car and so At that time, I was married, and my my wife and I sat down and did a short meditation just saying we'd like to find a car that was just right for us, that was within our financial means, that was fun to drive and easy to maintain. And we were grateful for that help and assistance. So I quite literally got up from my chair, and I went out to check the mail, and in the mailbox was a flyer saying, come down to Randolph Williams Oldsmobile and check out our cars, new and used. And I said to my wife, I said, uh, that's interesting that that flyer's in the mailbox. I'm thinking about the timing for all of this. And I said, why don't we, uh, after we get, grab a bite to eat, why don't we go down there? And so we did. And we walked onto the lot You know, over a hundred cars, and big burly salesman came out, and we said, uh, "Can you uh, tell us if you have any used Volkswagens?" And he said, "Uh, "Just two, including the one you're standing right next to," and it was a Volkswagen Rabbit. I asked him the price, and the price was more than we could afford. And I said, "Do you mind, as long as we're down here, if we just sat in the car and talked and looked at it?" he said no, and he unlocked the car, and and he excused himself. And so we sat in the car and, and talked about uh, various features and how comfortable it was and fun. And he came back, and he said, uh, if you're interested, I'll take 500 bucks off. <laughs> and for our limited budget, then that made it more affordable. And long story short, we took it to a Volkswagen mechanic. He said gosh, if I needed another car, I'd buy this myself. And so we ended up buying the car that day. Um, And it all started with these two individuals saying that it's okay. In fact, it's joy-filled to trust your intuition.
3: Well, what I find is that um, it doesn't work that way for me.
0: (laughs) Yes, sir. I respect that.
3: It, um... For me, it's more, and and I guess maybe because I don't need it, I think I've been ridiculously blessed and privileged uh, beyond what is typical of the average person. And so for me, I find that the intuition is to be in service of others. Mm -hmm. And um, it is, again, an amazing, glorious, gorgeous experience. I've actually healed people takes five minutes or less. I've removed pain from people, physical pain from people. Um, I've had so many extraordinary experiences, and it just it never ceases to amaze and fascinate me. And um, I've had an interest in things that were unusual since I was a little boy. So if you were to tell me when I was 11 years old that someday I would be doing this, uh, I would not have been shocked by that. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, there was an element of predestiny there. Um, from early on, mm-hmm. but I love what I do very much, and I feel uh, blessed and privileged to do it.
0: And you mentioned, I think, a key there that you want to be of service to others. Absolutely, yeah, what, absolutely. I what, think when uh, we put uh, my, that as a priority, life, that's, that's so important for all of us, isn't it? It's not. It's not about the money. It's not about the material gain. If we put as a focus uh, to be of service to others. Doesn't everything that's good and just flow from that?
3: I have to believe that, Scott. I've been self-employed for 18 years now, and Mm -hmm. I I walked away from a full-time job and gave up salary and benefits with nothing else to go to but having had a very powerful dream that told me I would be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not even sure I could tell you exactly what I make a year. I know money comes in and money goes out, and I've never been without it, and I've never worried about it. Um, again, I have been just outrageously blessed and privileged, and I desire to honor that um, every day uh, by by putting forth the good effort to uh, to take care of myself so that I am in the best possible position to be of service to others. And the older I get, the more that... Becomes tamed and refined and channeled into things that are are a little bit more specific, but also on a higher plane of elevation. Elevation, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's where I'm at right now, and I am loving it and enjoying it. And um, you know my job is to really be um, an impartial third party, but boy, there are times when you know I I can't help but be touched by the emotion and the gravity of the moment for what happened.
0: Tell us uh, about uh, some of the signs that maybe are present in the natural world for us.
3: I think one of the signs that is most common and is in, and I just saw a flash of blue light out of the corner of one of my eyes as I'm (laughs) saying this. One of the signs that's most common is in keeping with the story that I told a short while ago about uh, receiving things in threes. Now, for some people, that needs to be very, very literal, and so. Uh, they might be more aware of, for example, seeing uh, triple digits on a clock like 111 or 333 instead of trying to connect the dots with making sense of seeing three visuals that pertain to the same thing like Lindsay Wagner and the bionic woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a more common one. And people say to me all the time, well, I feel like somebody's trying to tell me something and I'm I'm so stressed and agitated about trying to figure this out or, um, you know, how do I know how to interpret what this means? And my message is like, just let's, let's relax about it. And, uh, I would just interpret it as an affirmation that you are who you are supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing in the moment. And it doesn't have to be anything more complicated than that. Um, and I think there's a, a beauty in the simplicity of that mm-hmm. uh, when those signs happen.
0: When you stand in, in front of a group uh, and you've done your homework, you've got your preparation, and you're out there in the room, and there could be a, a dozen up to, I don't know if you have an upper limit of you know 30 or 40 people.
3: Well, the, the, the largest group has been 300 so far.
0: William, does the information come uh, in pictures or hieroglyphics? Do you hear a voice? Is it colors, uh, patterns in the air? Um, It's
3: everything, Scott. I -hmm. I have all of the clairs. So I'm getting um, pictures, movies, words, phrases mentally. They may make me feel something physically. They may make me smell, hear, or taste something. So it's a combination of all of the above. Mm -hmm. And I must tell you that I am not standing there um, bombarded in chaos. Everyone is very polite. It happens very methodically. Everyone lines up and waits their turn. And um, it it just plays out in in a very um, orderly fashion. Mm -hmm.
0: If if you would allow me to to phrase it this way, that is Is there a a guide or a gatekeeper that helps keep that orderly quote unquote on the other side, uh, or is that yes, a, a self regulating mechanism that somehow is they're all involved in?
3: Well, I tend to be a very organized punctual person myself, so that it's it's probably. Uh, accommodating my personality, but I absolutely am working with guides. Uh, there are There is one primary guide and then there are three others that I am less familiar with, but there are four total. I feel them when I am working off to my left side and uh, sometimes at intermission or after an event, people will tell me they've seen flashes of uh, pastel colored lights on that side or or movement or other activity on that side. And um, I think it's also very telling that I develop amnesia about most of what I do. So I'm, I'm experiencing it in the moment, and it's amazing and extraordinary, but when it's over, I, mm-hmm. do, I don't remember most of it. So I don't, I don't know if that's typical. I don't commiserate with other psychic mediums, but um, I kind of keep to myself and do my own thing, completely mm-hmm. self-taught in all that I do. But, um, again, it's a glorious, amazing process, and I wish that more people were open and accepting of it.
0: Does, does your gift and people experiencing you and your gift, uh, does that help them to further trust their own intuition?
3: I would like to think so. Uh, and there are often times when I send people away with some homework about things that they could be doing to work on bettering themselves and improving the quality of their own lives.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And um, I, uh, I don't think I'm anyone or anything special. I think we all have gifts and talents. And um, not everyone is intended to do what I do, obviously, but I am also encouraging of people to start with where they are within your own family, within your own circle of friends, within your own community, and employ the best of who you know you are, your compassion, your sensitivity, your gentleness, whatever your your gifts may be. You don't have to do what I do, but you can absolutely be of service to others employing your gifts and talents.
0: Our guest is William Stillman, and his brand-new book with that gorgeous front cover is The Secret Language of Spirit understanding spirit communication in our everyday lives. William Stillman's website is his first and last name, williamstillman.com. William, please stay with us. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back, okay?
3: Sure thing. Thank you.
0: And folks, I hope you're enjoying the broadcast today. It's always been my hope that that the conversations that our guests and us that that, that we have will in some way reach you on a level that empowers you, that is helpful and of service to you. And that would be my hope today with our conversation with William Stillman. We'll take a short break. It's Colleen and Jim and Scott and of course, you guys and gals, as we explore unexplained phenomena with our special guest, William Stillman. We'll be right back. Scott Colborne with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena, along with Colleen and Jim. Our guest next week is Mark Nesbitt, and uh, we're going to be talking about the incredible battle that happened in July of 1863. At Gettysburg, he's got a brand new book out called Ghosts of Gettysburg, Volume 8, Spirits, Apparitions, and Haunted Places of the Battlefield. And we honor those men and women and that event with our conversation next week with Mark Nesbitt. My friend Peter Robbins joins us for a conversation on all things UFO on the 14th. On the 21st, we've got Joel Green, his brand new book, Robber's Cave, Truths, Legends, Recollections. That's a local place in Lincoln, uh, a limestone, sandstone cave that is very famous, and he's written an all-inclusive book about that. Our special guest this morning is William Stillman. And, again, his brand-new book is The Secret Language of Spirit, Understanding Spirit Communication in Our Everyday Lives. Uh, William, are your, uh, are your family, uh, are they still living, sir?
3: Uh, very few of them anymore. I, uh, I didn't have a very large family to begin with. So, at this point, it's um, my, my father and a brother. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that um, I grew up in a family, and it was probably more unusual for this time period, in the 1960s and 70s, in which my parents were open to unexplained and unusual possibilities, and at the dinner table we could discuss topics such as ghosts and UFOs and Bigfoot and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we were never told that could never happen or that's ridiculous or impossible. Uh, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that because I think that helped to fuel and sustain an interest in mm-hmm. unexplained phenomena. hmm
0: If you had a chance, uh, William, to speak directly to young people that are listening right now, how would you speak to them about perhaps celebrating their differing gifts and abilities? Mm -hmm.
3: I would say, first and foremost, please have faith in your faith. Trust in the belief that someone's got your back, that you are loved and adored, and you may not know exactly what you're intended to be doing and you may not know exactly what your blessings are, but you absolutely possess gifts and talents and uh, to, to invest some time in discerning what those are um, not only so that you can enjoy your life, but also so that you can be of service to others and to please listen to your higher self or your conscience and to steer clear of things and personalities that you know are harmful and destruction destructive excuse me uh because we are we are caught up in the midst of a spiritual siege right now and it's called the opioid epidemic Mm -hmm. and it is extremely powerful and seductive to many many people and um I believe that it is being uh, fueled largely by those negative energies that we were speaking of earlier. Mm
0: -hmm. I would agree with you.
3: If you talk to someone who has been addicted, if you talk to someone who is recovering from addiction or had been alcoholic, they will oftentimes tell you that in their darkest hour, in their worst moments, they have heard an internal voice other than their own telling them to harm themselves and others.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I had the privilege this week, William, of teaching a, a class with some other teachers uh, for young people post-fourth through <coughs> post-eighth grade on helping them learn to play guitar. And as a older guy now to help them by mentoring them I brought up the subject of alcohol and drugs and I said you know it's prevalent in our society you kids are right now not old enough legally to um, to do this involve yourselves with this but some of you are anyhow and I just I use myself as an example saying that uh, when I got sober and clean in 1983, my life changed for the better. And there isn't a day that I wake up that I don't feel blessed to wake up without shame, guilt, recrimination. Um, if I have an ache or a pain, (laughs) I own it. (laughs) It's not because of something that, uh, that I did shoulda, woulda, coulda. And, um, that I'm playing, as a guitar player, I'm playing a lot better music, sober, having a lot more fun than I ever did with drugs or alcohol. And I point out uh, a lot of the people, the luminaries that are living right now, some of the world's best, and they play and perform totally sober. They don't need to have adulterants because it's uh, it's one of the the best rewards around, so.
3: That's, that's powerful testimony, Scott. I, I think what a lot of young people don't realize is how um, insidious these negative energies truly are. I would agree. Uh, they, they start out, you know, it starts out very innocent and very slowly, uh, and th- these are the, you know, they start out whispering from the background of the video games and the music, that these young people listen to particularly the males and they will say things like you know especially to the loners or the kids that feel like outliers you know i'm the only friend you have i'm the only one who really understands you and and they try to establish a camaraderie and then there's a point at which it it turns for the worse and they start saying well you know there's no harm in nicking your skin there's no harm in, in seeing the blood because it tells you you're alive i mean they, they really start distorting the reality and the perception in a lot of these kids and then it becomes you know very dangerous and very self-destructive mm-hmm. that's why i said you've got to have faith in your faith when you said what would you say to young people
0: mm-hmm. and you use the term a uh, spiritual siege
3: you bet yeah spiritual warfare
0: and that, thats taking place I, I suspect, around us. You
3: know, I suspect there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that we don't see with the
0: naked eye. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, and I also liked what you said to the to the young person listening about having them understand that they may not be able to call this um, spiritual essence, this divine essence, by by name but to understand that they are loved unconditionally, that they have a, uh, a, a group of individuals that are cheering them on, that are silently encouraging them. And uh, it's, I think, so important to help these kids establish um, to have hope because when they look around them, the world can seem at times pretty dark. They hear that reinforced like, through lots of TV programs and movies. Um, and the news. And the news, yeah. But I
3: have to tell you, Scott, that um, I, I don't know if you've found this. I find that a lot of young people don't use the word God. And um, it's a word that I use because it, it, it's how I was raised, and that's mm-hmm. my belief system and it seems as though maybe that was more particular to my era, but bottom line is I don't care what they call it, but I, I do want for them to have faith and belief in a higher power, and you can call it God, you can call it the, the universe, you can call it Wonder Woman. I don't care what you call it, but it is, I think, essential that we, we have faith and, and belief in that, that higher power.
0: What does William Stillman do for fun?
3: <laughs> I'm going to be doing it
0: tonight. <laughs> sure. I, I, I appreciate yeah. that.
3: I, I love what I do so much. Um, it is such a pleasure uh, to be that, that instrument of God, so to speak. And um, I, I, I get a natural high from it, and I enjoy it very much. And um, I spend time in nature. I, uh, you know, write books and, um, I still do some autism work as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, life is good and I, uh, I am blessed and privileged and I feel that comes with a great responsibility to honor that and, uh, to be of service to others as we've been saying.
0: Cohen, you had a comment that you wanted to.
2: Oh, it's more like a, more like of a question. Um, I've been sitting here for the past hour or so, noticing something under the corner of my eye on my left side poking at my drawings over here. <laughs> so I was wondering, like, did you, is any of your, um, any of your friends checking me out over here? <laughs> I notice that happens well, quite no, frequently. Uh, could, no
3: one connected to, no one connected to me would do anything that would be disruptive or intrusive of our time together. And before I came on the air with you, I actually said a prayer of protection and extended a shield from Mm. me to all of you. Uh, Because when I do interviews, whether it's um, on Skype or by phone, oftentimes there are all kinds of electrical disruptions and disturbances. So um, I'm not surprised that you're experiencing something But, you know, people need to understand that the way that spirit communicates will always be, if it's a loving presence, it will always be uh, very simple, very subtle, and very gentle. It's not like Fourth of July fireworks or being hit over the head with a hammer, um, unless there's a dire emergency and and danger is imminent. It doesn't work that way. It's it's just very, very gentle. But um, I said earlier I saw a flash of blue light out of the corner of one eye, and I know that's one of my guides.
2: Yeah, this is that I, I, I notice things every now and then. Well, not like, because I, I know what mine is. So I wonder if it's my mom checking in on me or something. <laughs> She's always doing that. I'm like, Mom, you don't need to mm. check on me every half hour. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, William i got to tell you, I feel, I, I don't know if there's any re- relevance, uh, Colleen, to the uh the ladybug or the symbolism of the ladybug, but I'm sort of picking that up too.
2: That's um, one of my grandmother's favorite insects. Mm. So,
0: William, on your website, uh, is there a, a calendar of events such as the your event you're going to tonight that's listed?
3: Yes, indeed. Uh, there is my schedule listed on my event. Now, I'm in Pennsylvania, so a lot of the events are Pennsylvania-based. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to break out of Pennsylvania at some point. And uh, also, Scott, I want to invite people to uh, like and follow my Facebook page, which is William Stillman Psychic (coughs) Medium, and the the link to that is on the homepage of my website. Because uh, every morning, I put up an original inspirational quote that I receive in my prayers and meditations, and I pair an image to go with it, and it might be a nice way for people to have something to reflect on and start their day with. Mm
0: Uh, positive is good. Yeah, William, my uh, uh, great-grandfather uh, came from Pennsylvania by wagon to Nebraska and brought a china hutch, which now resides in my dining room. Uh, Abram oh, Colborne wonderful. came from Pennsylvania to Nebraska. And uh, so the Colborne family... Always had a strong connection to Pennsylvania.
1: And, and I as well have ancestors that came here from Pennsylvania. That's Jim. Uh, <laughs> primarily the, the Heim family and uh, Almers and Schafers, And there's a, a, a large population of uh, German-descended immigrants that came to Nebraska by way of Pennsylvania. The, the Pennsylvania Dutch, as we're colloquially known.
0: William, I want to thank you very much for taking. Please go ahead, sir.
3: (laughs) Thank you. I was just going to add, as you probably know, Pennsylvania is statewide a paranormal hotspot in and of itself.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I want to thank you, William, for taking time from your uh, uh, weekend and from your schedule to be with us. Um, I really appreciate your focus on being of service to others, and I really resonate with that. And I wish you uh, many wonderful tomorrows, and thank you for your your help.
3: Well, thank you, Scott. It was delightful, and I enjoyed my time, and hope that we were of service to your listeners.
0: Our guest today has been William Stillman, and his brand-new book is The Secret Language of Spirit, Understanding Spirit Communication in Our Everyday Lives. Our guest this week, or excuse me, our guest next week is Mark Nesbitt. We'll be talking about the Battle of Gettysburg and what some people, including park rangers, are still reporting from that uh, from that battlefield, that memorial site. Yeah, talk about a paranormal hotspot. Wow. Jim and Colleen, quickly, what are you doing for the rest of the weekend?
1: Staying inside away from the heat as much as possible.
2: <laughs> I'd probably uh, finishing up my heap of drawings, I've probably got 70 of them to go-ish. Because then I'll probably be drawing more later than inking that in.
0: Well, that'll keep you off the streets. Yeah. The <laughs> uh, Today's weather forecast is... Hot. Well, I was just going to say, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Today's weather forecast is yes. It, we have a rain forecast, and that may dissuade me from mowing my lawn tonight, but it's got to get done sometime, or I've got to bring in small animals to graze. It's been a joy to have William Stillman on the broadcast. And again, I would encourage everyone listening today to reflect upon what William talked about today and to realize that all around us is a um, network, a spiritual hierarchy, that we have cheerleaders, we have unseen uh, friends, and to use your intuition and discernment in connecting with those to live a wonderful, vibrant life in service to others. Stay tuned for Vic and Mesoterra. He's coming up in just moments. It's been great to have you here. I'm Scott Colborne, and until next week, Walk in Beauty.